We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Social awareness. That's to take a piss. Don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right. All right, welcome to a very special post-game edition of the Budding Heads podcast on Ramstock Radio. We're coming off a win, so that's already a win for the pod. Uh, I'm Steve Barrow. Johnny was supposed to join me, but his power went out, and I think he said his fence fell down. So in his substitution is frequent recurring guest on the pod, Kev Masaregin of Roto Baller. How are you doing, Kev? Hey Steve, great to be great to be back on. Uh, it's been maybe a month or so, I believe, since my last appearance. But uh, yeah, frequent recurring guest is basically the best title you can give me at this point because I feel like I'm, I'm part of the family, aren't I? You're definitely the most frequent co-host of people who don't co-host their own podcasts on the feed. I think for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm that guy. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, you you need that guy. I love it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Johnny 
he we usually record on Tuesdays, and this week he asked if we could record on Wednesday, and I know he was just asking that because of the World Series, but I did not confirm. Uh, but I have a hunch because he wants to watch the Dodgers. Uh, and then Derek said he was recording his podcast on tomorrow, so I figured it's right after the game. Let's get this post game show out and in a win. It was uh, not the prettiest game ever, but a twenty four to ten win against the Chicago Bears. And Kev, I mean, I don't know how you feel about the Bears. I don't know if they're a good team, but I feel like we at least know that they're not a bad team. And all we've beaten this season are bad teams. So it feels good to beat a you know actual NFL football team. Uh, honestly, after watching that game, I don't know if you could call the Bears an actual NFL football team. Did you see Foles? Did you watch what he was doing on the field? Uh, like, I guess their defense is competent, so you have to give them some credit there. They're, they were fifth in DVOA coming into this game, and a large part of why they're, uh, they were 5-1 and one coming into this game, now 5-2, and two, fortunately for us. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you can't really say that this is it a defining win for the most part because this is very much so a fugazi five and two team uh the bears right now are hold up one of the nfl's three five and two teams with a negative point differential that is the bears the bills and the browns bears (laughs) negative two bills negative four and browns negative 21 that's impressive honestly this is coming from at marcel underscore lj on twitter thank you to him for that statistic uh yeah so this is more so a marginal team a fringe team an average team i can't say they're a good team uh this is a good win against an average team i can claim that like this was a like we we won this game at what halftime what would you say like it was over i didn't bother like even though it was like a one score game they weren't showing any signs of life yeah, it, it was weird because, like, I, I was thinking the same thing at halftime. I saw uh, somebody tweeted, they're like, how is this only a one-score game? And I was kind of like, I wouldn't say it was over, but it was like, I feel like we're dominating. Like, I feel like this game is well in hand, even though it's only 10-3. to 3. Uh, And, it, like, I kind of felt like that when we played the Giants, in which we only won by eight. But, like, I feel like it was more so in this game, uh, which is bizarre because they're a much better team than the Giants, even though they're probably still not that good. But yeah, man, it, it was it never felt in doubt, which is always a good feeling because that you know as as us longtime Rams fans know that that was not a thing that ever happened until recently. So against you know uh, you did mention those three teams, and we did lose to one of them in the Buffalo Bills, which uh, they have minus point differential, and you could say well it's bloated because they got blown out by the Titans, but it's also like well. They played the Jets twice, so they have ample time to get into the positive win, uh, the positive numbers there. But yeah, it's you know I don't I don't love the Bears. I didn't love them going into this game, but at the same time, man, they are five and two. They're a team that because of how stacked our division is, they play a lot easier schedule than us. At the end of the way, uh, and they're probably going to be a team that we're going to be competing with for a wild card spot. And this is a big tiebreaker win. Uh, you have this game. If it's just us tied with the Bears in a wild card spot, we win. We have the tiebreaker, and it, it's a really, really crucial and great thing for us to have right now. Uh, definitely agree. The Bears have a bit of a rough schedule coming up. They face the Saints next week, and then the Titans right after, and then have uh, two more matchups against the Packers. So, 
while yes, that is awesome to have that tiebreaker, I'm not super worried about the Bears anytime soon. Like I, unless they trade for a quarterback, I, I really don't know how they can improve because this offense isn't going anywhere. Their run game is terrible. Their passing game is terrible. Uh, their offensive line is mediocre. They have one talent. No, they have Darnell Mooney. He's pretty good. So I was going to say one talented receiver in uh, Allen Robinson, but he left with a concussion, unfortunately. And even having him didn't really impact this offense much. So uh, I, I'm i not as uh, optimistic on the Bears even getting a wild card spot. I think the Lions can usurp them. I'd be more worried about them anyway. Uh, but... Yeah, this is it, it's a great win to have. Any win's a good win. It doesn't really matter. Uh, we're three and zero at home. Uh, that's at SoFi now, which is uh, pretty cool. I think that's more <laughs> that was more impressive to me than beating the Bears. Honestly, it's it, it's so wild that the year we're finally kicking ass at home is <laughs> the year we don't have fans. <laughs> uh, like classic. Well, I, I wonder why. I wonder why like, we don't have fans because maybe the other team's fans aren't overpowering us. Um, I look. I will to to not uh, offend any of our season ticket holders that listen. I think the home, like we've gotten more of a home field advantage as the years have gone on for sure. We're still getting there. We're still building that fan base, but compared to like when we first moved to LA, it's night and day in some of those big games. I mean, yeah, it's definitely neutral now, so you could say it's night and day. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, all right, so let's yeah. – <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to rib. Like, it, it's been so – I've gone to – like, I was a season ticket holder for the first three seasons, I want to say, because they were relatively cheap, and uh, my family really wanted to have, like, season tickets to some sort of uh, professional team. The opportunity was there, and it was just embarrassing, honestly, being at those games and, like, being in a crowd of Vikings or Eagles fans. So yeah, especially those teams because they 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 travel well, so they're gonna fill it up. Uh, if we're not going, oh, and they talk. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I I'm in New York, so Philly is like one of the the places I could go to to go to a game, and I don't know if I'll go see the Rams play at the Eagles ever. I don't know if I want to do that. You'll get beat up. Yeah. I, <laughs> no. Nothing against like anything. Uh, nothing against the Eagles fans personally, but those are those are some tough fans. Like I, I tried to refrain from talking shit during those uh, those outings. Yeah, the the guys that that are going to be really talking it up are not listening to this podcast. They're listening to AM radio uh, and just <laughs> just Philly guys chopping it up. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, it's, uh, it, it ain't you and me. That's all I know. No, no, not at all. Uh, so let's let's take a look at the box score here. Obviously. It, 24 to 10 win for the Rams. Uh, a solid win, especially after last week's debacle against 49ers. Uh, Rams had 24 first downs to the Bears 14. Uh, they the, the Bears had 279 total yards. The Rams had 371. So not a huge not a huge win there, but you feel good rushing. We had 161 total yards. They had 49 uh, massive turn there, and then. Uh, 210 passing yards for us, 230 for the Bears. We had a better time of possession by five minutes. Uh, they had two turnovers. Nick Foles threw two interceptions. We only had the the one uh, the one fumble on the Robert Woods play that resulted in a <laughs> the Bears only touchdown of the game. <laughs> I, I forgot in about that. Time. In garbage time, like that was ridiculous. <laughs> it, That's when you're supposed to be protecting the ball the most. Like they could have just punted the ball done an arm punt or something that was i don't know it's funny because like that touchdown like 
I was thinking, like, well, after they got the ball there, like, they kind of had a shot, and it's like, yeah, well, that touchdown was the reason it ceased being garbage time for a brief couple of minutes, which just as a result of that touchdown. It was, like, seconds, honestly. Let's be real. Like, I don't know what McVay's doing sometimes when it comes down to, like, conservative play calling because, like, that that play was essentially guaranteed to lose yardage the way they were playing the run. So, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not here. Who am I to question a 5-2 and two coach? But... <laughs> Well, that's, you know, it's, even before we get to the specific players, like, there's just some, like, there was drives in this game where McVay was just dialing it up, and we would just drive right down their throats and score a touchdown, and everything looked beautiful, we were calling great plays, we being creative, and then there's, like, other drives where he'll continue to throw screens to tight ends on third down, like, it's, he he's clearly a good coach, like, clearly, like, there's no denying it. Uh, the record speaks for itself, what he walked into versus what we are now. But there's always, like, the occasional, like, couple of plays a game. And sometimes in, in bad games, it's a lot more than that, where you're just sitting there. And it's like, like, this is what you're going with, like, really? Like, and I, I will say, it felt like he let Goff uh, sling it a little bit more in this game than usual. And he did last week, too, but that was more out of necessity. Uh, but it's just, like, that, that one screen on, like, third and four, we threw it to Gerald Everett. He got, like... Either a yard or he lost yards, and we either kicked the field goal and punt. I don't even remember, but it's just like it was a negative three yard play. I remember that. Uh, (laughs) Yard reception. That was I got point seven PPR points off of that, so I was pretty happy. (laughs) It's just like it's just like shit like that, man. Blows my mind. Uh, But I don't. I don't know. It's there. There's more to like than to dislike for McVeigh, especially in this game. I'm, and he is a little hamstrung by his uh, personnel. The Rams do have a, the like a photocopy of the same receiver like times four. So partly uh, their really fault. They they did that on purpose. I mean, they did. They did. But like that's on less Snead and McVay to a certain degree. But also like I mean, how can you call plays for a vertical offense when you don't have vertical threats? So like I don't blame them 100 percent, but more so like 85 percent. It's like at a certain point, like you do have to throw deep to keep defenses honest. But we just keep throwing and running horizontally for the most part. And it's uh, it works here and there when we have the like when the blocking's good, the team's great. Like you see Robert Woods running up an alley on the edge like like a madman. Where was that one? I forgot that one play. I believe it was in the third quarter where he was just uh, he was jumping over a Bears defender and like getting 20 yards on a chunk player. It felt like 20 yards at least. And um, or yeah, it was a 25 yard run, I believe. And I, I was just like, OK, this works. Why can't we switch it up to something else? Because we keep running the same plays over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that was the knock last year when, you know, we, we did continue to run the same stuff. And a lot of people were saying the league figured him out. And then to his credit, he did switch it up a little bit. But and he's continued to add some wrinkles. But I know that's definitely a fair point. Uh, and I think like one positive here, too, is, you know, all the, all the shit we talk, just talked about the Bears undeniably a good defense like there's no question about it so uh not that the Rams yeah a fifth in DVOA like I said like this is a this is a legit good defense we ran all over and like they are weaker against the rush than the pass they're uh second against the pass coming into this week 11th against the rush so uh good on McVay for keeping the ball on the ground 34 team rushes uh uh versus 33 attempts by Goff so yeah I'm I'm very happy with how we chose to attack them yeah, Goff went 23 for 33 with 219 yards, two touchdowns, only sacked once, which against the Bears, 
uh, is a win, although it was a, a rough set. Uh, Nick Foles, 28 of 40, 261, no touchdowns, two interceptions, sacked four times. Uh, and then on the ground, <laughs> Dave Montgomery had 14 rushes for 48 yards. Uh, Cordero Patterson had three carries for one yard. And it, it did, like, for all I've complained all throughout the year of Sean McVay throwing screens at on third down, at least he's not throwing pitches to a wide receiver on fourth and one. Uh, I will give him that credit because I can't imagine how infuriating that was for any Bears fan watching that play where uh, they threw a pitch on fourth and one to Cordero Patterson and we got a Terrell Lewis sighting. He got a huge tackle on that play and uh, forced a turnover. Hey, uh, like you said, uh, at least McVeigh isn't Mac Nagy. Matt Nagy. Like, we can give him the benefit of that doubt. Like, you know, kudos to him for being competent. Yeah. Or somewhat yeah. confident at least. I mean, no, he is he is a good coach, but we just play down to our competition so much that it f- infuriates me. Like he he knows he's gonna win, and he kind of you know I don't want to say he throws in the towel, but he just he he kind of degaffs the rest of the game, and that's where I'm like, no, put your foot on the gas pedal. Let's see some let's see some fireworks. I want more. I want to see. I like. I guess maybe. Hopefully, he's saving it for the playoffs, which we haven't seen. No, I'm just gonna say that. But um, yeah, I, I just kind of get annoyed when we're letting other teams just like make stupid decisions, give us the ball back in great territory, and we just kind of do nothing. Like we're watching the other team poop their pants on the other side, and we're on like the their twenty or thirty. Like we can't have golf throw like what two corner or two corner routes, maybe a go. Like g- give me something. No, no, I'm with you. And I mean, I, maybe he's saving her for the second half of the year. I don't know. Maybe he's saving her for the playoffs. I mean, we've we haven't seen him in the playoffs in two years. Hopefully, we'll be back this year. And I mean, even like last time, but before the Super Bowl, like we kind of got a gift from the heavens in C.J. Anderson just coming out of nowhere and just giving us like this outrageous dual threat backfield where even Gurley didn't look the same when he came back from that injury, but. Uh, the first game we had against Dallas, they both ran for 100 yards, and it was just like, now we have this. Like, this is just not not something we've had since. Probably not something we ever will have again. Uh, but that was just out of nowhere. So he might have benefited from that as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. I just, uh, I don't know what to make of it at this point. I, I'm really hoping there's more to come after the bye, which is uh, in two weeks, as we know. Uh, they get at Miami next week with uh, Tua's first game. Uh, I have no idea how that game is going to go. I'm terrified of it, honestly, because I think it's going to catch us by surprise. They're not going to be prepared to face a quarterback they haven't seen, blah, blah, blah. And it's just going to be one of those annoying-ass games where uh, Goff makes mistakes. They have a really good pass defense, one of the worst run defense, the worst run defense in the league. So uh, if the Rams don't attack Miami properly or get behind and have to throw and Goff throws some ugly picks, I I don't know what I'm going to make of this team. For the second half, so uh, I, I hope to be optimistic. I, I certainly feel better going into that Miami game after this, uh, for sure. Mm, I mean, I feel like it just—we know what Nick Foles is. This offense knows. Um, this defense knows what that offense is because David Montgomery is going to do David Montgomery things and run like he has uh, two feet in cement. Uh, Nick Foles is gonna chuck up uh, like like medicine balls into the air that like Jalen Ramsey can pick like pretty much at like a kick returner. I don't know. Like there's not much you can make of this offense that isn't 
like what we've seen a billion times with Miami. I I'm legitimately terrified at what they could bring with Tua. Like what, I mean, he's a very good quarterback. He's a very talented quarterback. He has some modicum of mobility, maybe limited by the hip injury, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared of next week. I'm not going to lie. It feels like a trap. I, I, I Before the season, I honestly said that game is a trap and I still kind of feel like it because my Miami's they're, they're feisty. They're competitive. Uh, but you know, you're you're saying the positive about Tua. The negatives is the guy has never played in the NFL, and he's going. Oh, he took some snaps last week. <laughs> okay, uh, all right, two. all right. Yeah. He took a couple. Uh, Fitzpatrick cheered nice him up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the negatives is yeah he he's he's played minimal snaps in the NFL. <laughs> Correct myself. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, and he's going against a, a good defense with two of the best players in the NFL, the best defensive player in the NFL in Donald, and then uh, probably one of the best cornerbacks in, in Ramsey. So it's, and, you know, if if you, I don't even think you can assume it because Ramsey's a little, he, he can be shaky, but like if you assume that the Rams are able to game plan and take Devontae Parker out of the game, similar to what they mainly did with Allen Robinson tonight and have done with some of the other receivers they played this year, Two his weapons for that game are not attractive, and we'll see. We're we're not the best at covering tight ends, so maybe he gets a big Gasicki game. But uh, I I I still feel good because like for for all the smackdown we're talking about the Bears' offense, you look at the game we played against the Giants, a worse offense, I believe, uh, and that's saying a lot, and a worse defense, and we only won that game by eight points. So it feels good that like. You know, this game didn't come down to the last drive of the game like that Giants game did. And I feel, um, you know, I, I, there's still question marks with this team. Uh, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say we're going to the Super Bowl. But I, we might lose to Miami, but I would I feel good that we're not going to. Uh, I, we should beat Miami. We should be favored by a lot of points. But it's one of those things where it's an early morning game on the East Coast. We're traveling over there to Miami to play a team with starting a quarterback that we have not seen much of. So it's it just, oh my God, it, it, it's like that narrative that hangs over you. And there is, you know, you know, those East coast games do get to teams wherein they are a little more tired. They're play, now they just played on a Monday. So they have one less day of rest. Uh, I, I, I wish I could be this optimistic if they can keep the ball on the ground. And if Tua can maybe not go ballistic and go off throwing to Mike Gesicki, who he has been working with on the practice squad a ton this uh, throughout the season and off season, uh, allegedly. I just, I, I see a way we could get beat because Miles Gaskin is running well. Uh, their offensive line strength is the interior, not the not their tackles. So as we know, our tackles aren't the strong, or not our tackles. Our uh, our edge rushers are not the strongest. Uh, they're not the most seasoned. Uh, they, they're not elite essentially in the interior, but they are more so better than the outside. So they can counter us there and their defense is good there. They are good at stopping the pass. So, ah, uh, I, I want to say we will beat them, but I'm, I, I cannot say that with any semblance of confidence. <laughs> I, I could say with confidence, but not certainty, I would say. So I'm, I guess yeah. I'm a step ahead of you. Uh, so we mentioned the rushing earlier, how we ran all over this team. Looking at the the backfield numbers, we don't have the snap counts yet, as it's night of the game. But uh, Daryl Henderson ten for fifteen carries for sixty four yards. 
but it seemed like he was about an even split snap-wise, or maybe even less, with Malcolm Brown, who had 10 carries for 57 yards and a touchdown. Now, Kevin, I know we both probably roll our eyes equally into the back of our heads when Malcolm Brown trouts, Malcolm Brown trouts onto the field. But I will say a good game for Malcolm Brown today. And then uh, Robert Woods, four carries, 23 yards. Cooper Cup, a carry for 16 yards. I I know Cam Akers touched the ball. Did that play get called back, or did they just not track it? I know okay, he touched so it once. I have, I have to talk about this. How the hell does an offense go off sides, not, not, not just once, but twice in a game? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. How do I... I don't think I've ever seen – or no, I definitely have. But, I like, it's such a random occurrence for an offense to be lined up offsides. Like, Gerald Everett was lined up out, offsides, and then um, I forgot who the other – it was one of – oh, it was Andrew Whitworth, of all people, the veteran left tackle who's arguably the best in the game right now. He's He was lined up offsides. So, yeah, on the on the specific play you mentioned with Cam Akers, uh, Everett was lined up offsides. He was he ended up blocking, but uh, Akers gained like five yards on that play, which were called back. It was it looked like a decent run, but, you know, a one rush sample is not going to give me any idea of what this guy looks like. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 a tough situation because you got to play Henderson. Obviously, he's balling and they just they like Malcolm Brown. And I. In this game, you kind of saw why they like Malcolm Brown. He runs hard when he when he gets space, but he can't create his own space. He's not that kind of player. Um, mm-hmm. Cam Akers might be that kind of player. We haven't seen enough of him to make it. Daryl Henderson, I would say, is more of that kind of player, and, and he touched the ball a lot, obviously. Uh, but Brown, he's good in pass protection. Uh, we don't know if Akers is there yet. That There's a learning curve on that. Um, and I, I don't know, man. He's just... He, I, I I don't like seeing him out there because of how good Henderson is playing and, you know, how we, we took this pick on Akers. And it might have not been – I don't think it was the right decision to draft running back. Nothing against Akers, as I've said previously online and on the show. But it's – you got him there. You kind of want to see him over Malcolm Brown. But this was a game where you're kind of like – because we haven't seen it in a while because Brown has been bad for a couple weeks. You kind of are just sitting there like – I kind of forgot he can move a little, like he can do some things. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> if if we're going to continue to play him, which I think they are, it's at least we got this game where we're like, oh, yeah. Like, you know, there's a reason why we didn't think the Rams should draft a running back this year. And while Daryl Henderson was a big part of that, so was Malcolm Brown to an extent. Uh, okay, like you mentioned before, yes, this was a good game for Malcolm Brown. Uh, a few of his runs that were longer did come on uh, not obvious, but passing downs. So uh, the defense wasn't really stacked up to stop the run. Uh, the Rams went on like third and sixes or third and sevens. And he did gain good yardage. He did uh, break a few tackles. And there was that uh, pi- uh, he did push the pile on that 13 yard run, I believe, that got him that yep. got us to the one yard line. So uh, kudos to him. Very good game on his part. But yeah, it it just like it makes no sense to me for Acres to have what one touch. He he had four snaps maybe. I from what I recall, it was four snaps. Uh, Robert Woods had more carries than Cam Acres, and I get that Robert Woods is one of our more dynamic players, and th- this is no knock on him, obviously, aside from the fumble. Um, yeah, like you can't navigate in a twenty-four to three game at at that point. Let's say. 
to get Cam Akers more touches, even at 24 to 10. Um, what are you doing? Why not give your rookie running back a few touches in this sort of game? Uh, the excuse last week was that uh, the Rams, uh, this was according to McVeigh uh, in his post game presser, or uh, I forgot exactly when, but it was a few, it was a day or two after the game. He was asked why Cam Akers didn't get any touches. Uh, it was because uh, the 49ers didn't give the Rams the opportunity to uh, get into some sort of rushing rhythm. So that's why they kept Henderson and Brown in there. Uh, Brown's obviously, like you said, in there for pass blocking, which he is uh, proficient at. While uh, Henderson is as well, they prefer Brown because he's, you know, he can navigate the backfield better. He's uh, the seasoned vet who has a better idea of where they're blah, blah, blah. So. Yeah, I, I get why they play Malcolm Brown, but in a situation like this, where Cam Akers was your starter to start week one, you don't want to see what he's got. Like, I get it. You see it in practice, but you also want to give him some touches in game speed. Maybe you need him next week. Maybe something happens to Brown. Something happens to Henderson. And I, I, I'm at a loss for words what's occurred these past two weeks, honestly. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. And it's... It, it, the, the fact that they don't need him just amplifies the fact that we never needed him. And yeah. you know, I, I, I like him. I think he is a good prospect. I, I certainly would rather would like to see him get more carries than Malcolm Brown. But it's you know, your team that's looking to compete to make a playoff spot. You got to win these games. You know, you don't. I guess you don't want to throw a, a rookie running back out there. Uh, that's that's unproven and, and hasn't proven much, but he also hasn't gotten a chance to prove himself that much. It's the same thing as we have with Daryl Henderson in there. Uh, but last year, you know, you at least had Todd Gurley have a debate. We're not going to get into today. Um, no, we're d- I, I'm over it. Uh, he's not on the team anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, my problem. But yeah, you you know, he, Todd Gurley's a two-time like offensive player of the year, so you know that's why he's getting the ball. Whereas now it's Malcolm Brown. Todd Gurley's backup, who you can't you can't get Cam Akers to carry into. So it's frustrating, but maybe we'll see him more next week. But beyond that, I mean, when we come back from the bye, we have a, a grueling four-game stretch uh, before we get the Patriots and the Jets. So at worst, if he's healthy, you'll probably see him a lot against the Jets in week 15. Um, that way, my fantasy teams cannot wait for week 15, baby. I didn't eat, Oh, my God, that's the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, that's huge. That is massive. Shut I have no idea. At this point, honestly, like, okay, you're right. We didn't need Cam Akers. This was that was a stupid, a stupid pick from the start. Like, why are we taking another running back on day two, uh, especially one that we don't plan on using in year one? Uh, we're just wasting a year of his rookie deal, which is when you want a young running or when you want to use a running back. Like, you don't want to pay running backs. We've learned our lesson, surely. I hope. I hope. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like this is just we're following the Henderson script from last year. And at least Henderson was kind of injured and he sucked when he was on the field for the most part. He had a few flashes, but like Akers were just kind of not even giving touches to like Henderson was consistently getting a few touches per game. Akers is not getting anything. And then Henderson got hurt and then he didn't play. So that's that was the end of that for last year. But like Akers got hurt, and then he played, and then he stopped playing. It, when, it did. It he, did take a bit, though, uh, at least for Henderson to start getting ball. Because I remember in the first couple games, he was he got that one like random goal line carry in week one, and then kind of disappeared for a little. Uh, and yeah, then he I'm going came through his game log right now. 
Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm going through his game log. Like I he had like a weirdly sporadic season where like in the middle of the year, I remember versus Atlanta, he had a few carries. Uh yeah, yeah. Okay, so he had a six carry game with two targets, an eleven carry game with one target, and then an eleven carry game with uh three targets. So that was like in the middle of the year, and then weeks week ten versus Pittsburgh, he had four carries and I think he got hurt. Yeah, and, so, and one of those games was probably the San Fran game where Gurley did play. Which yeah, was a, so... I don't really want to go back into the memory bank of that game. That was miserable. I'd rather not. I'd rather not, too. <laughs> but, like, he had a weird season where, like, he had one touch in game one, and then he was gone. He didn't, you know, he didn't play any more snaps until week six. And then he came back, and he had a massive touch share, relatively, and then he disappeared again, and then he came back, had four carries, went away, came back at two carries. Like, I, I, like, I don't get it. I, I really don't get what we're doing with our young running backs. Like, why would you trade up for Henderson and then draft Akers the next year? Yeah, I, it's uh, it's one or the it's one or the other to me. You do one or you do the other. You already did one. You shouldn't have done the other. Agreed. Agreed totally. I I think uh, both at the time were questionable picks but you know you already mm-hmm. did the henderson pick it's like you have him uh he showed some flashes it wasn't all it wasn't all bad but it was like you know he's there and clearly they like malcolm brown they trust malcolm brown you didn't you didn't need to add a guy there there was a lot of positions you did need to add um but speaking of you know uh, us maybe at like we have things we need to add and so i'm looking at the receivers for this game and the leading receiver in yards and targets and touchdowns with josh reynolds four catches on eight targets for 50 yards and a touchdown uh eight rams in this game were targeted seven had catches johnny munt had a game uh we'll get to him in a minute three catches for 47 <laughs> yards uh cooper cup six catches for 43 yards gerald everett without tyler higby four catches for 28 yards and a touchdown robert woods three for 22 uh at least made up some of those fantasy points on the ground. And then uh, Van Jefferson, one catch for 14 yards on one target. Daryl Henderson, two for 13. And Malcolm Brown, nothing on the target. But my question for you, Kevin, about Josh Reynolds is he was heavily featured in this game. He, The Rams, you know, he was the focal point of the passing game, although clearly a lot of pe- mouths were getting fed in this game. Do you think that they want to make Josh Reynolds a part of this offense, like permanently? He had, or at least permanently for this year, He's had a touchdown each of the last two games. Or their linebackers suck. The trade deadline's coming up. They got to pop this guy's value up. Let's get him eight targets. Let's get him a touchdown. Let's get him the ball. Uh, let's prove that if, if you're a buyer at the trade deadline and you desperately need a receiver, uh, this is a guy who I think we all think is is talented and is just, uh, you know, he's not Robert Woods or Cooper Cup talented, but we just, he's a luxury and we don't need him. And you draft Van Jefferson, uh, if you extend Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and you draft Van Jefferson, you're essentially drafting him to replace Josh Reynolds. Uh, so may, I, I feel like I don't think it's the whole reason that he got a lot of work in this game, but I feel like they might be trying to up his workload a little bit. You see it in the NBA all the time. Guys just get played a lot and get to score a lot, and then they get traded. So that might be what the Rams are thinking here. But either way, it was a great game for him. Uh, ding, ding, ding. You hit it on the head with the ladder. Uh, they're showcasing him for a trade at the deadline. Uh, I read a piece in The Athletic by Jordan Rodriguez that uh, this is the plan with Josh Reynolds specifically to make him available and see kind of what we can muster up 
Uh, hopefully, I don't know what kind of pick we can get. Uh, ideally, above a sixth rounder, maybe like hopefully a fourth, maybe a fifth, uh, most likely a fifth, given that I believe he's on his uh, contract year at the moment. So uh, there are plenty of teams in the league that do need wide receiver, but unfortunately, wide receivers are the hot commodity in terms or there is a surplus of wide receivers available at the deadline. So does he get traded? I don't know. But what the Rams are doing right now is showcasing Josh Reynolds and maybe Gerald Everett. Uh, it's more so doubtful with Everett, given that he has performed extremely well. Uh, he plays a position which, although we do have Higby and Munt, uh, somehow Munt played really well today. Uh, the way we play requires extra blockers and uh, Everett's one of our better ones. So it's more likely we do trade Josh Reynolds if a team does come knocking and uh, I don't expect this sort of uh, usage to remain throughout the rest of the season. So I uh, I hope we do trade him because, like I said, we're this team is just uh, – we have four wide receivers that are just a fo- photocopy of one another. So you trade Reynolds, you bring up Van Jefferson, uh, up his workload, and you can use Van Jefferson in different ways because uh, Van Jefferson's actually really good with the ball in his hands if you can get him on screens. So uh, he's the type of receiver that – McVeigh just drools over, uh, get the ball in his hands and let him work. Uh, he's not really, even though he runs like uh, he ran the fastest mile per hour at like 21 or 22 miles per hour in the senior bowl, but he didn't like, he doesn't look like he tests well. He doesn't have like game speed. Oh no, no. he has game speed. He just doesn't have uh, like timed speed for the most part. I don't think he ran a 40. So we don't really know what his specific scores are like speed score or whatnot. But uh, he's one of those guys that if we do plan on unleashing him, he could be an X factor for this offense. So Reynolds is a trade target or trade bait on our end for other teams. And if we bring up Van Jefferson and open up this offense, I think the second half can be second half can be very fruitful. Yeah. And Van Jefferson, he only has six catches on the year, but I like I feel like. I remember it's seven catches, sorry, after today. But I feel like I remember like all of them and like they were all pretty good catches. <laughs> like every time he gets the ball, I'm like, that was a good play, but it's also like he's not out there that much. Uh because like, like you said, we have we have all these guys and Josh Reynolds is good and he's not not great. He's not gonna be on the team next yeah. year, so um Yeah, yeah, I like Van Jefferson. They clearly like him, you know, especially after you take Akers at fifty two, you don't take another like luxury pick uh, unless you're really high on the guy, I feel like, or you're just being idiots, which I, I give the Rams a benefit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna no, no, They're not idiots. They're just very, they're like in between a very smart team and a like kind of a smart, or I don't know how to describe it properly. They're not geniuses, but they're smart. They make good decisions. Like we know how to run our defense properly. We know how to win games, but we just. I don't like we do it in the most un, uh, aesthetically unpleasing way. Does that <laughs> is that sounding right? Like yeah. I think that's the best way to describe them. Like they're a weirdly dirty team. Not dirty, sorry. Uh, they grind games out. That's what they do, and it's just so annoying because we can be flashy. We can we can dominate teams if we just play our best players and do that. But no, they're playing fairly smart. They're uh, utilizing Reynolds because they do see him as trade bait. Maybe they're utilizing Everett in the same way as they have uh, throughout the first half of the season where they haven't really featured Higby, who uh, 
who did have his uh, who was inactive with his hand injury today. And I'm going to put hand in air quotes because I don't know if his hand was actually injured or if they wanted to showcase Everett. So, yeah, um, the Rams are kind of just playing around right now, it seems. And uh, hopefully after the bye, things kind of open up. Yeah, I think they're like it's like a smart front office that occasionally will do things. And you're like, the fuck? Like just every now and then. And it's not like it's like. Uh, they'll make a bunch of good draft picks and then they'll give Tavon Austin $45 million for no reason. Uh, it's like, every, it's like every now and then you'll just get, the, they'll do this random thing and you're just kind of like, what? And, and maybe like, it gets too early to tell on Cam Akers and Van Jefferson. But I think the whole thing is, um, you go with two guys there at positions you don't really need, uh, and two guys that were not the highest ranked players on, on most people's boards. And you know what? It, that doesn't that doesn't really matter to me. You take the guys you like, but the bigger thing is you take uh, two players that you didn't need when you have things you need. But I mean, we'll see. They they both shown flashes, and and uh, they both haven't got enough opportunities to really make you know any any real things about them. Uh, I will say you mentioned Everett before a trade candidate. I just I feel like with Reynolds, it makes sense to trade him even if you only get like a late fourth or an early fifth because mm-hmm. you have Van right there and he could play uh, and, you, and you run, you know, you run 12 personnel uh, 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 occasionally. So you don't need uh, him there. But with Everett, I feel like A, you know, Higby being out, that, that concerns you a little. And B, like when you, you don't play Gerald Everett and Johnny Munt for the same reasons. As much as I love Johnny Munt after this game, <laughs> Uh, what a fucking performance. But um, I, I just, unless you're getting like a day two pick or a playable inside linebacker, and I don't think you're getting either of those things for Gerald Everett, I, I just, I think you ride it out and let him walk next year. I think, especially if you want to be a playoff team, he has value. He's good at pass catching. Um, and, and they clearly use him, and Jared Goff clearly has confidence in him. Uh, and they have a rapport there. So I, I don't think it's worth uh, unless you could get something about it. And even if, like, if you get, like, an average inside linebacker, that's better than what we have. So if you could get that for Gerald Everett, I wouldn't uh, say no to it. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think he's here for the whole year. Yeah, no, no, I agree that he's probably here for the whole year. But teams have been calling. Uh, if someone calls with the right price, which is doubtful given that he is uh, a free agent at the end of the year. But uh, he is expendable to a certain degree. Like, we drafted Bryson Hopkins. Uh, we have... Higby or, uh, I don't know, like, De Jure, tight end one. And it's, like, Munt is fine, I guess, sometimes. But, uh, yeah. like, we don't even use Everett in the way I'd like to use Everett. Like, we, we should be using him downfield as one of our more explosive, explosive players, but we use him, like, behind the line of scrimmage and, like, on slants. Or not slants, but, like, five-yard outs and shit. So, I don't know. Like, I'd, I would personally trade him because uh, tight ends – are valuable but we have like a surplus uh but you going back to what you said uh not really drafting for a need you kind of always need wide receivers even if they are a photocopy of one another as i've said uh but van jefferson i i don't know if i would have picked him in particular because he was a reach but uh let's say you swap him and terrell burgess who we drafted at 104 like the rams had such a weird draft with their first uh their first six picks because I thought they drafted good players 
Uh, but they drafted him in a weird order. Like I would have taken Terrell Lewis at 52 and I would have taken Cam Akers at 84. So, but the fact that we got both, I'm like, okay, I can look past it. So for fans, I guess they can look at it like maybe we're, maybe we're good at drafting. Maybe we know we can read what other teams are doing and uh, still acquire players who are higher on uh, some sort of consensus consensus board, but are dropping later, but reaching for our guys, even though we don't really use our guys, i.e. Cam Akers and Van Jefferson. But uh, yeah, it, it's like I said, we're between like a smart team and a really smart team. We're just kind of floating there because th- there are some pieces missing in the there, like there is a bit of cognitive dissonance in how we go with our process. And and to Les needs credit because I think you look at his drafting record more than like he's I think he's a good drafter most of it he he has more good picks than bad picks he's more good drafts than bad drafts um the fact that he can find safeties out of thin air every year it seems like uh, and this year's no different Terrell Burgess in the third and Jordan Fuller the probably the best player we got in the draft mm-hmm. in the sixth round um they they takes beyond like he he's a safety whisperer. Anytime we have a safety come out for age, like even John Johnson this year, before the year, I was like, well, he always finds oh, the a way. Goat. Oh, the GOAT. The, what a hell of a game for John Johnson. So, like, shout out to him. I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, I love him. Uh, I, I I hope there's a way we can keep him next year. I don't know if there's going to be, yeah. but even if he, he leaves. Yeah, but, like, even if he leaves, think about all. We haven't had a safety on a second-year contract since Les Needs been here. I think the only safety that we started – that wasn't just somebody filling in was Eric Weddle, uh, who's probably the most disappointing safety we've had in less than his entire tenure. So it's like, I love John Johnson. He's one of my favorite players on the team. I hope he stays. But if he doesn't, we have Jordan Fuller now. Taylor Rapp had a decent game finally. Uh, he, he looks like he's getting back to form. And Terrell Burgess, uh, who unfortunately got injured in this game, I, I'm looking if I could find anything about the injury right now but. it was an ankle injury it was an ankle injury he was uh in an air cast i believe i don't know the severity he was doubtful to return which is kind of odd after someone's in an air cast but uh yeah yeah so uh depending on what trail burgess's injury is like if it's some sort of uh season ending injury that could impact him for next year i think we have to keep john johnson because that would have been like the logical replacement but uh yeah i'm i'm hopeful i do believe that he's one of the better deep safeties in the league. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm I just really proud of the secondary as a whole. Uh, but like you said, we are sa- – like, less need as a safety whisperer, at least for the last three years or so, or four years, my bad. And, uh, eight, yeah. Eight, I think, man. I mean, think about – you go all the way back to, like, Rodney McLeod came out of nowhere, and he, he's still playing. He's still a good player. Uh, like even even back in the early days, he's always been able to do this. Uh, just find guys to to fill in these spots. You know, we had we had Lamarcus Joyner, obviously. We had uh, yeah. uh, T.J. McDonald back in the day was actually decent for a little bit. He's uh, <laughs> shout out shout out to him. Fight on. Yep. Yeah. He he just he continues to do it, and there's positions where he hasn't done it. Uh, in linebackers in particular, but uh, safety, I he'll figure it out, and he already did. Like. Like I said, I love John Johnson. Uh, I I mean, if they have the cap space, and I don't know if they will, like if they could franchise him, they probably do it. Uh, you might oh, as yeah. well. He's a captain; they like him. But if he's gone, 
you have got you already have them in the building which which is a good you feeling to have do. definitely do and uh it makes me makes me hopeful for the hopeful for the future because uh like i said this team knows how to, like they do some things right like it, it feels like on the outside everything's peachy but there are some issues on the inside we're like a donut without the filling it looks good but on the inside uh it lo- it's a bit empty because i do worry about our linebacker situation as you said if we could trade for one i would like we should uh avery williamson's one from the jets that might be available later on i don't know if i'd trade gerald everett for him straight up but if we get uh, him in a pick i'd gladly do that uh on the offensive end the vertical threats are our uh that's where we have the most trouble where we, like we're just basically lacking that as a whole so, yeah, this team, they do – they excel at certain things and they completely lack at others. And it just – like like I said, it's infuriating. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it's victory day, so – and we, me and Johnny okay. have yeah. – well, no, I was going to say like me, me and Johnny have gone – or at least me and, and Johnny too have just ripped apart the inside linebackers for like three weeks straight. So we're not going to do it this week. Um, uh, there was were, no reason to like they weren't necessary essentially like we didn't have to stop the run the and, run stopped itself yeah and they did it man and like we've played teams where like we played the Giants the run should have stopped itself and it didn't so uh, I will mm-hmm. say outside of those couple like Justin Hollins give ups in the passing game a fine game from the inside linebackers especially considering what we expect so it was it was good to see that they you know they tackled that's all we need. They didn't blow coverages yeah. as much. Hey, they tackled. <laughs> yeah, they weren't asked to do a ton of coverage. Uh, I mean, I don't know why Justin Hollins is, is guarding uh, Cole Komet 30 yards down the field, but uh, he gave that one up. But, like, what are you going to do? That's, if that's what's happening, that's what's happening. Uh, overall, fine day from then. And uh, looking at, we had four sacks in this game. Leonard Floyd had two, which is encouraging. He's been hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Justin Hollins had one. Uh, to make up for that lapse in the past game, and then Aaron Donald and Greg Gaines combined for the other. So, uh, good good game from the pass rush, I would say, especially after last week where there was no pass rush. Uh, I know it's the Bears, not a great line, but uh, we've seen Rams teams in the past and even this year not perform how they should against bad offenses, and I think the defense performed as they should have in this game. Uh, no, absolutely, you're right. Uh, they like you, like you said, they played down to their uh, opponent, which is frustrating. Today, we kind of did, but we just dominated. So, like they kind of beat themselves, so we didn't really have to beat ourselves down at all. And yeah, pass rush was good. Leonard Floyd had his revenge game with two sacks. Uh, he looked happy on the field. I was happy watching him be happy. Uh, I think we all were ecstatic seeing that kind of. Uh, that kind of juice off the edge. It, it was much needed after, uh, I, I don't know, like at, since we got Dante Fowler, like when we got Dante Fowler and there was a few games where he was just going off, that's the last time this uh, this edge group felt dominant to a certain degree, right? Yeah, it li- yeah, he he stepped it up. I mean, yeah, he, he really improved that group a lot. Yeah, at least for the short term. Last year was not so much that, but it was... It was better than it was before. Now, 
Uh, it's kind of been hit or miss, more so miss. But uh, seeing Leonard Floyd step up makes me hopeful that maybe he could carry over this momentum going forward. Uh, we still have a lot more to see from uh, Terrell Lewis. I'm very excited about his prospects going forward. Yeah, promising uh, game from him. Made a huge play. Yeah, one quarterback hit uh, with a for loss. Uh, yeah, in the second half, this team has this team has pieces. It just needs that it wants to use them. Hey, uh, I mean, uh, without 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 Obo. What's up? Uh, sorry, you broke up a little. Yeah, we're all good. We're, we're fifty minutes oh, yeah, in. Yeah. Uh, so, well, without Obo, without Obo, out with his elbow. That's yeah, yeah. But I'm saying without him, like uh, you know, Lewis stepped up and and Jakai Polite exists, which is a huge win that he exists. Like he he might be. Something, uh, and we got him for free. He didn't really, record. yeah. He didn't record anything today. Was he? I didn't even see him on the field much. Did he, he play? He had a, uh, he had a, he forced a decent pressure on Foles on that play where when they're on the one yard line. So I'm not saying that he was the reason Foles missed his wide open receiver when Ramsey got beat, but uh, it was factor. I mean, okay, yeah, definitely good on him. I I liked polite coming out. Uh, unfortunately, he had uh, some off-field issues he had to work through. Uh, he kind of was, uh, I don't know. He he kind of went missing with the Jets after they drafted him in the third round. But uh, he definitely he got cut. Talented. He didn't even uh, he didn't even make the team. Yeah, he got cut. My bad. Yeah, so that was that was just a weird situation with how that went. Uh, he was a first-round pick who uh, fell randomly, and or he was a presumed first round pick excuse me and yeah if he can produce if he could be one of those second half producers uh i'd gladly watch anyone but samson ebucam go off the edge at this point so yeah i'm uh <laughs> i'm very excited to see where this team goes we have we have the pieces we just have to glue them together that's the whole thing and Today was a step forward, but it's not so much some sort of, you know, there's no be-all, end-all solution here that we saw. It's just, you know, they figured out a way to beat the Bears, which, like I said, is not the most impressive thing in the world. But Yeah, but a lot of teams haven't, Kev. That's what you're forgetting. Oh, my God. Who are those teams? They beat teams. the Bucks. The Bucks are a good team. The Bucks beat themselves that game. Let's be, they had no receivers. Yeah, but I, I, I'm, I'm just ah, saying. Come on. That was a, come on. Go back to that game. Who, were, who was Tom Brady throwing to? They beat the okay. Bucks. They beat the Lions. They beat the Panthers, and then they beat the Falcons and the Giants, which are meaningless. But uh, you know, the Lions and the Panthers aren't that good. But they're also like the Bears, actual teams. You know, they're not great. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not all terrible. technically actual teams. Like this is the NFL. The Giants are not technically an actual okay. team. I think the if Giants. you look that up, they're not. <laughs> hey, they beat them by four points. Come on, their average margin of victory. Or so was like four points coming into this game, and now like that probably goes down a good bit. Like I said, with their negative point differential, but uh, yeah, I I was not very much so afraid of this team, and gladly we handled our business. Did not it was not a sweat at all. No, right? but but let me ask you this: would would they be the best team in the NFC East? The Bears? Yeah. Oh, that's tough. I, yeah, I don't hate I don't hate the Eagles. The Eagles are coming, but. Eagles are coming. Look, like the Eagles, when they get Rager back, I think they are a decent team. Like their their defense is really good, so there's that. Like they have a, eh, I don't, okay, it's not actually okay. My bad, it's not very good. It's the just Bears' defense is though. 
the Bears defenses. Okay, I'm, I'm but, just saying, man, we didn't beat the Jets. Like it's it's not it's not the best win, but like I said, we beat an average team. So cool. Like I'm, I, we should beat these teams. Uh, I'm more afraid of the Dolphins next week. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, hey, but before we wrap up, we we would be remiss, Johnny, did not. Or sorry, Kev, you said Johnny. Whoa. But you know why I said Johnny is because we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Johnny Hecker, uh, the MVP oh, of this game. Oh, the player of the game. What were those punts, man? Like I saw some stuff. I haven't seen since, like, that random Michael Dixon era in Seattle, right, when he came from, like, the Aussie League or whatever, or he went to Texas. (laughs) But it felt like he came straight out of Australia with some sort of pooch kicks that were out of nowhere. But Hecker was in his bag today. Shout out to him. Yeah, he. it feels like it's been a while since, like, he's really had a chance to flex because, like, the games where he's (laughs) punting a lot, the games where he's punting a lot usually are, like, awful games and, like, everyone's just pissed off, but, like, uh, he punted five times in this game in a game where we scored 24 points. So, I mean, it's not, uh, that's, I feel like that's a lot for a game where you score so much. And he was just, he punted five times. They all landed inside of the 20. I don't think he had a touchback. I think he pinned at least three of them inside the 10. He pinned two of them inside the five. He pinned one of them at the one. Uh, yeah, he was definitely in his bag. I mean, he, you kind of like, he, he hasn't like made an all pro team in a while because, the offense is better than they were when they had Jeff Fisher. Uh, but he just, he just here to, he's here to remind you that he is a, I don't know enough about punters to say he's the best in the league right now, but he's certainly one of them. He had more punting yards, 221 than Goff had uh, passing yards. Insane. And that was on, that's on five punts. And Goff didn't even have a bad game. Yeah. It's nuts. Goff threw it 33 times. This is a ridiculous stat. He had two more yards. He had a longer punt than Goff had uh, completion. So, I mean, it wasn't necessary. It like the Rams didn't have to throw like far, given that this game. Like, it's it just such a funny stat that on five punts he topped our passing yardage. And, and uh, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like most of his punts weren't from like our own ten. So he's bombing these from, like, the 35 or the 40. Dude, these were, like, stupid long punts. One of them, I was just like, okay, we're going to get him at, like, the 35. No, we got him to the 5. Yeah, it's it's, it's unbelievable. He's, uh, like, it, it's why, <laughs> like, we, we, I always say we don't talk about enough, like, how good Aaron Donald is. Because, like, even on this pod, like, what is there to say? Like, he's Aaron Donald. He's he's always just, doing it. He did his job, Johnny Hecker. Honestly, this is... Who had a better game, Aaron Donald or Johnny Hecker? Today, Hecker, for sure. I mean, like, we don't talk about Aaron Donald enough, but we really, really don't talk about Johnny Hecker enough because, like, (laughs) especially with how flaky our special teams has been this year, uh, without Fossil and without Zerline, uh, even this game, Sam Sloman got a kick blocked, but we'll give him a pass this week, I suppose. Uh, Like, Hecker just, you forget, you just forget that you have this guy and he's such a weapon. Uh, Like, this is this is going to be helpful come playoff time uh, to have him on our side. Bill Belichick's going to be peeing his pants when he sees Johnny Hecker coming up to punt. <laughs> I can't imagine like a punter having this much impact, but hey, like that it legitimately was huge to the game and keeping the Bears' score so low, like pinning them so far deep, forcing Foles to throw. Um, yeah, I'm he's. He earned player of the game. I have nothing else to say, but kudos. That's it. 
Yeah, I mean, like, dude, the dude literally won us games back in the day, like, when our offense was horrible. Uh, just, like, with how much he was bowling out with those, like, like the, the fucking Nick Foles team, uh, to speak of the devil. Like, that year, he was just on fire. Uh, he, he's just, it's incredible. You just forget because we don't need him as much anymore under McVay. We just, we have such a good off. Usually we have such a good offense and we don't, we don't need to punt. <laughs> had to correct yourself there. But he, even tonight, like it wasn't, it wasn't, it was a fine offensive game, especially considering who was on the other side of the field. So, uh, he had five punts and they were all huge. And even though the bears have a bad offense, you know, this, it might be a different score if he's not out there just painting them constantly. Yeah. So, uh, Good on him. Good on special teams. Uh, the rec- uh, honestly, shout out to the uh, the return, not the return team, but uh, what is it? The runners. Yeah, the runners on special teams because they did get those. Uh, they did save those balls going into the to the end zone a little bit. So I think it was uh, Webster and I forgot who else was there. Do you know the name of the other runner? Or no, no I, I don't remember who got the other. I do remember Webster though. Yeah, Webster uh, had a few of those. Uh, was it Cal- Raymond Calais, maybe? But could, he's our kicker. Yeah. It well, been Webster's him. a punt returner. Yeah, yeah. Webster's... No, no, no. I don't mean on punt returns. I mean on punts. So no, no. Are, yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I don't remember who the other one was. And I, yeah, I it's okay. But, but they but. did a they did a heck of a job as well, uh, you know, keeping the ball within that five-yard zone. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was an all-around positive effort by uh, the punting team, <laughs> which... Yeah. Who would, who would have ever thought that, like they would get be getting their kudos or getting this much time on any sort of podcast. But, you know, this is what you come to talk Rams for. Oh, Positive. I mean, if, if you're a long-time listener, you know, like, I was so excited when we signed three kickers. Like, I could not have been more excited for a kicker battle. Uh, and unfortunately, we, we had three kickers and we still don't have a good one. But, uh, hey, here we are. At least we got Hecker. And we got him for a long time. I got to ask you this, guy before we hop off. Because because I feel like I've yelled the cloud. I feel like collectively, maybe not even just Rams Twitter, like everyone has yelled about the punt returner situation all season. And even this week, Cooper Cup is still just occasionally, he's just randomly back there on a punt. Nassim Webster had two punt returns, but like Cooper Cup, they still just throw him out occasionally. And I, I'm just going to, I'm going to continue to repeat this every week, but he sucks at punt returner. There's no point of having him out there to get injured because he sucks at it. Like, why do you still try him out there? I will never understand. It's just like one of those things, like, with what we were talking about, with how the Rams are, are a very smart team, or, like, they're a smart team that could be a very smart team, and they they just do shit like this. There's, it, it, it's a high-risk, low-reward move. And, like, there's just no, there's no point to it whatsoever, and I don't know why it's still happening. You're like you're legitimately better off just like waving off every punt that comes to you than putting Cooper Cup out there. I have no idea. So, yeah, I don't I don't have an answer to you. Like you said, it, it's it is what keeps us from that upper echelon of like very very smart teams. Uh, I just can't explain to you why. There's there's got to be like literally anyone on the end of the 53 man like active roster that can do that job. That isn't Cooper Cup. Like we've seen time uh, time in and time out that he just is not good and he keeps doing it. I'd rather see, uh, I don't want to say I'd rather see Cam Akers out there doing that. Like you might as well get him, get him the ball, see what he can do. Yeah, but like, Nasip like, fine. Like he he's not like he's not setting the world on fire, but he's better I mean, than Cooper why Cup. Not, why not see what anyone else can do? Like I, 
like I don't I don't think you need an answer. I just think it just the answer shouldn't be Cooper Cup. So yeah, like right. you don't need to you don't need to solve it. I'd like to see maybe you mix it up a little bit, but like that just you know my end for the most part. I really don't care about punt returns. Like literally, like that's the least of my worries. As long as we don't mess it up. It only bugs me because Cup, to an extent, not today, but in the past, is kind of messing it up. And also, like, he's very important to our offense. We pay him a shitload of money. We don't need him to do this. And he's not good at it. He's not Tyreek Hill back there. Like, it's just like, I'm going to say every week I see him returning punts on this podcast because there's just there's just no point. There's just no point to it whatsoever. And, ev- like... Even if McVay, like, is throwing screens every third down, it's like, well, that one time Robert Woods returned a 33-yard, or it was third and 33, and he scored. So, hey, it worked once. Maybe it'll work again. With Cooper Cup, it's just like, it never worked. Why are we doing this? I think his brain is so big that he has all of these other important football memories saved up that kind of fringe like fringe kind of plays like punt returns only play the same reel over and over again. And he only sees that one good thing over and over again. It has to be that. Cause that's the only reason he keeps passing to Malcolm Brown. So, <laughs> yeah. but, but at least, Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, we were talking about Cooper cup on uh punt returns. Sorry. I was thinking about our running game again. My bad. At, at least Malcolm Brown has at one point had a good reception or a good run. <laughs> Okay, like that's fair. It's like well, the, that one time. That one time. The the Cooper Cup thing, like it's legitimately the worst coaching decision I've seen the Rams make since I started watching them like twenty something years ago. And that's oh, saying a lot. I don't think there be. is, dude. This doesn't make any sense. I I don't get it. There's just there's no rationale to it. There's no like, what's the upside? Like, what is it? There, it doesn't exist. And this is coming from the best coach we've had, at least since Dick Vermeil. Uh, like it's just like, why, why are we doing this? Yeah, it, I, I have no answer for you. This is just one of those things that we're gonna go, we're gonna go in circles on, just chasing this magic dragon of why do we do this, and then to no end, we don't get an answer, and Cooper Cup's still returning punts in the playoffs. So that's the unfortunate reality that we live in. <laughs> like, accept it revel in it just I, i'm bringing it up every it. week because like unless in his contract negotiation he was like i have to return <laughs> punts or else i don't want to sign like, i gotta touch the ball somehow if we're gonna run a run heavy offense like i gotta get i gotta get this juice yeah so i, I, I don't know man I, just... I got nothing maybe van Je- i'd like to see van jefferson back there returning punts maybe at least there's some upside like you have a guy he doesn't play that much get in the ball like cooper cup he plays all the time he gets the ball all the time he's not good at this what are we doing uh anyways i think we can wrap up you want to you want to plug your show uh yeah so uh you know most of my writing you can find on rotoball you can find me on twitter at rotosurgeon as uh i have spoken about ad nauseum on my uh, previous episodes but uh, of late, I am doing a show on YouTube called The Operating Room. Not literally trademarked, but I do say it is trademarked just so nobody else takes it. Um, I will have guests going forward with my first one coming tomorrow afternoon. Uh, this show is exciting because it allows me a space to talk about fantasy football to a degree that is not so much so specific as in waiver wire pickups or uh, what is it like buy or sell in any fashion it is talking specifically about certain players and certain backfields or wide receiver rooms and breaking them down as in 
in my fictional operating room. So uh, check it out on YouTube on the Rotoballer YouTube page. Like and subscribe it. And uh, make sure to follow me on Twitter because that is where I am most active. So, uh, Steve, thanks for having me on once again. Uh, I will be awaiting the call uh, with as much giddy as possible for the next appearance. Yeah, we'll get you back for sure. And uh, thank you guys for listening if you're still listening. And thank you for uh, – I, I will have my mic back in two weeks. So it's it's coming. The audio is going to come up. Uh, and follow me on Twitter at, at Steve Ribeiro. And, of course, follow Ramsog. At Talk Rams, Johnny will be back next week. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have another show this week, but we'll at least be back next week. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. You feel me? Where can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.